A rill from the town pump. From Twice Told Tales by Nathaniel Hawthorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bob Newfeld. Scene the corner of two principal streets, the town pump talking through its nose. Known by the north clock, known by the east, high noon too by these hot sunbeams, which fall scarcely a slope upon my head, and almost make the water bubble and smoke in the trough under my nose. Truly, we public characters have a tough time of it and among all the town officers chosen at march meeting where is he that sustains for a single year the burden of such manifold duties as are imposed in perpetuity upon the town pump the title of town treasurer is rightfully mine as guardian of the best treasure the town has the overseers of the poor ought to make me their chairman since i provide bountifully for the pauper without expense to him that pays taxes i am at the head of the fire department and one of the physicians to the board of health as a keeper of the peace all water-drinkers will confess me equal to the constable i perform some of the duties of the town clerk by promulgating public notices when they are posted on my front to speak within bounds i am the chief person of the municipality and exhibit moreover an admirable pattern to my brother officers by the cool steady upright downright and impartial discharge of my business and the constancy with which i stand to my post summer or winter nobody seeks me in vain for all day long i am seen at the busiest corner just above the market stretching out my arms to rich and poor alike and at night i hold a lantern over my head both to show where i am and keep people out of the gutters at this sultry noontide i am cup-bearer to the parched populace for whose benefit an iron goblet is chained to my waist like a dram-seller on the mall at muster-day i cry aloud to all and sundry in my plainest accents and at the very tip-top of my voice here it is gentlemen here is the good liquor walk up walk up gentlemen walk up walk up here is the superior stuff here is the unadulterated ale of father adam better than cognac hollands jamaica strong beer or wine of any price here it is by the hogshead or the single glass and not a cent to pay walk up gentlemen walk up and help yourselves it were a pity if all this outcry should draw no customers here they come a hot day gentlemen quaff and away again so as to keep yourselves in a nice cool sweat you my friend will need another cupful to wash the dust out of your throat if it be as thick there as it is on your cowhide shoes i see that you have trudged half a score of miles to-day and like a wise man have passed by the taverns and stopped at the running brooks and whale curbs otherwise betwixt heat without and fire within you would have been burnt to a cinder or melted down to nothing at all in the fashion of a jellyfish drink and make room for that other fellow who seeks my aid to quench the fiery fever of last night's potations 
which he drained from no cup of mine. "'Welcome, most rubicund sir. You and I have been great strangers hitherto, nor, to confess the truth, will my nose be anxious for a closer intimacy till the fumes of your breath be a little less potent. Mercy on you, man. The water absolutely hisses down your red-hot gullet, and is converted quite to steam in the miniature toffet which you mistake for a stomach. Fill again, and tell me, on the word of an honest toper, did you ever, in cellar, tavern, or any kind of a dram-shop, spend the price of your children's food for a swig half so delicious now for the first time these ten years you know the flavour of cold water good-bye and whenever you are thirsty remember that i keep a constant supply at the old stand who next ah my little friend you are let loose from school and come hither to scrub your blooming face and drown the memory of certain taps of the ferule and other schoolboy troubles in a draught from the town pump take it pure as the current of your young life take it and may your heart and tongue never be scorched with a fiercer thirst than now there my dear child Put down the cup and yield your place to this elderly gentleman who treads so tenderly over the paving stones that I suspect he is afraid of breaking them. What? He limps by without so much as thanking me, as if my hospitable offers were meant only for people who have no wine cellars. Well, well, sir. No harm done, I hope. Go draw the cork, tip the decanter. But when your great toe shall set you a-roaring, it will be no affair of mine. If gentlemen love the pleasant titillation of the gout, it is all one to the town pump. This thirsty dog, with his red tongue lolling out, does not scorn my hospitality, but stands on his hind legs and laps eagerly out of the trough. See how lightly he capers away again. Jowler, did your worship ever have the gout? Are you all satisfied? Then wipe your mouths, my good friends, and while my spout has a moment's leisure, I will delight the town with a few historical reminiscences. In far antiquity, beneath a darksome shadow of venerable boughs, a spring bubbled out of the leaf-strewn earth in the very spot where you now behold me on the sunny pavement. The water was as bright and clear and deemed as precious as liquid diamonds. The Indian sagamores drank of it from time immemorial till the fatal deluge of the firewater burst upon the red men and swept their whole race away from the cold fountains. Endicott and his followers came next, and often knelt down to drink, dipping their long beards in the spring. The richest goblet then was of birch bark. Governor Winthrop, after a journey afoot from Boston, drank here out of the hollow of his hand. The elder Higginson here wet his poem and laid it on the brow of the first town-born child. For many years it was the watering-place, and, as it were, the wash-bowl of the vicinity, whither all decent folks resorted to purify their visages and gaze at them afterward, at least the pretty maidens did, in the mirror which it made. On Sabbath days, whenever a babe was to be baptized, 
the sexton filled his basin here and placed it on the communion table of the humble meeting-house which partly covered the side of yonder stately brick one thus one generation after another was consecrated to heaven by its waters and cast their waxing and waning shadows into its glassy bottom and vanished from the earth as if mortal life were but a flitting image in a fountain finally the fountain vanished also cellars were dug on all sides and cartloads of gravel flung upon its source whence oozed a turbid stream forming a mud-puddle at the corner of two streets in the hot months when its refreshment was most needed the dust flew in clouds over the forgotten birthplace of the waters now their grave but in the course of time a town pump was sunk into the source of the ancient spring and when the first decayed another took its place and then another and still another till here stand i gentlemen and ladies to serve you with my iron goblet drink and be refreshed the water is as pure and cold as that which slaked the thirst of the red sagamore beneath the aged boughs though now the gem of the wilderness is treasured under those hot stones where no shadow falls but from the brick buildings and be it the moral of my story that as this wasted and long-lost fountain is now known and prized again so shall the virtues of cold water too little valued since your father's days be recognized by all your pardon good people i must interrupt my stream of eloquence and spout forth a stream of water to replenish the trough of this teamster and his two yoke of oxen who have come from topsfield or somewhere along that way no part of my business is pleasanter than the watering of cattle look how rapidly they lower the water-mark on the sides of the trough till their capacious stomachs are moistened with a gallon or two apiece and they can afford time to breathe it in with sighs of calm enjoyment now they roll their quiet eyes around the brim of their monstrous drinking vessel an ox is your true toper but i perceive my dear auditors that you are impatient for the remainder of my discourse imputed i beseech you to no defect of modesty if i insist a little longer on so fruitful a topic as my own multifarious merits it is altogether for your good the better you think of me the better men and women you will find yourselves i shall say nothing of my all-important aid on washing days though on that account alone i might call myself the household god of a hundred families far be it from me also to hint my respectable friends at the show of dirty faces which you would present without my pains to keep you clean nor will i remind you how often when the midnight bells make you tremble for your combustible town you have fled to the town pump and found me always at my post firm amid the confusion and ready to drain my vital current in your behalf neither is it worth while to lay much stress on my claims to a medical diploma as the physician whose simple rule of practice is preferable to all the nauseous lore which has found men sick or left them so since the days of hippocrates let us take a broader view of my beneficial influence on mankind now these are trifles compared with the merits which wise men concede to me 
if not in my single self, yet as the representative of a class, of being the grand reformer of the age. From my spouts, and such spouts as mine, must flow the stream that shall cleanse our earth of the vast portion of its crime and anguish which has gushed from the fiery fountains of the still. In this mighty enterprise the cow shall be my great confederate, milk and water, the town-pump and the cow. Such is the glorious co-partnership that shall tear down the distilleries and brew-houses, uproot the vineyards, shatter the cider-presses, ruin the tea and coffee trade, and finally monopolize the whole business of quenching thirst. Blessed consummation! Then poverty shall pass away from the land, finding no hovel so wretched where her squalid form may shelter herself. Then disease, for lack of other victims, shall gnaw its own heart and die. Then sin, if she do not die, shall lose half her strength. Until now the frenzy of hereditary fever has raged in the human blood, transmitted from sire to son, and rekindled in every generation by fresh draughts of liquid flame. When that inward fire shall be extinguished, the heat of passion cannot but grow cool, and war, the drunkenness of nations, perhaps will cease. At least there will be no war of households the husband and wife drinking deep of peaceful joy a calm bliss of temperate affections shall pass hand in hand through life and lie down not reluctantly at its protracted close to them the past will be no turmoil of mad dreams nor the future an eternity of such moments as follow the delirium of the drunkard their dead faces shall express what their spirits were and are to be by a lingering smile of memory and hope. <clears throat> Dry work, this speechifying, especially to an unpractised orator. <clears throat> I never conceived till now what toil the temperance lecturers undergo for my sake. Hereafter they shall have the business to themselves. Do, some kind Christian, pump a stroke or two, just to wet my whistle. Ah, thank you, sir. My dear hearers, when the world shall have been regenerated by my instrumentality, you will collect your useless vats and liquor casks into one great pile, and make a bonfire in honour of the town pump. And when I shall have decayed like my predecessors, then, if you revere my memory, let a marble fountain richly sculptured take my place upon this spot. Such monuments should be erected everywhere, and inscribed with the names of the distinguished champions of my cause. Now, listen, for something very important is to come next. There are two or three honest friends of mine, and true friends I know they are, who nevertheless, by their fiery pugnacity in my behalf, do put me in fearful hazard of a broken nose, or even a total overthrow upon the pavement, and the loss of the treasure which I guard. I pray you, gentlemen, let this fault be amended. Is it decent, think you, to get tipsy with zeal for temperance, and take up the honourable cause of the town pump in the style of a toper fighting for his brandy-bottle? 
or can the excellent qualities of cold water be no otherwise exemplified than by plunging slap-dash into hot water and woefully scalding yourselves and other people? Trust me, they may. In the moral warfare which you are to wage, and indeed in the whole conduct of your lives, you cannot choose a better example than myself, who have never permitted the dust and sultry atmosphere the turbulence and manifold disquietudes of the world around me to reach that deep calm well of purity which may be called my soul and whenever i pour out that soul it is to cool earth's fever or cleanse its stains one o'clock nay then if the dinner-bell begins to speak i may as well hold my peace here comes a pretty young girl of my acquaintance with a large stone pitcher for me to fill. May she draw a husband while drawing her water, as Rachel did of old. Hold out your vessel, my dear. There it is, full to the brim. So now run home, peeping at your sweet image in the pitcher as you go, and forget not in a glass of my own liquor to drink success to the town pump. End of A Rill from the Town Pump